we were like, oh, it's so terrible out. And then I had this thought, you know, we should do an ugly Christmas sweater or pajama morning. Hey, let's do both, and let's do it on Joy Sunday, which is in two weeks. So in two weeks, we are going to have ugly Christmas sweater or pajama morning, and it's a new tradition we're starting because we all need to feel a bit more cheer or just be comfy. So that's what we're going to do. It'll be in the announcements this week. Don't you worry. I see you all. You're putting it in your calendars. <laughs> well, you can do both. You can, yes, that's right, Brenda. You can do the bottoms, and then you can do the ugly sweater tops. It's fine. Whatever you want. It'll just be a day. Anyway, it is December 3rd. I don't know what happened to this year. Maybe you feel like that, too. Like, here we are. And I feel like Advent has kind of snuck up on us, which is really silly because it's like, you know, did I not expect it? You know, like, Hello, it's December. Here we are. Uh, after this period of jubilee that we've been in, celebrating and finding joy and participating in redistribution, we're now entering this season that marks the beginning of the church year. Advent is a season of waiting, of anticipating the birth of Jesus, the incarnation, where God breaks into the world and breaks into our situation, if you will. Each week, we're going to be looking at a lectionary reading from the book of Isaiah as we, as we kind of slow, if you will, a little bit, which is hard to do and I'm really excited, um, as we slow for some inward reflection during this season. Uh, as a reminder, and as Mike Yorty uh, shared a few weeks ago, biblical scholars believe that the book of Isaiah covers the historical events in the southern kingdom of Judah from about 745 B.C., through the Babylonian period in exile in eight, or sorry, in 587 BC, and then all the way into the Persian period, which brings us up to about 331 BC. So this is a huge swath of time. And the people had entered into the promised land, but after years and years, things were not as expected. Our text for today actually comes from Isaiah chapter 64. It was written shortly after the destruction of the temple, and it is coming in this period um, of the Persian Empire. The prophet's style here reflects the people's belief or hope for a speedy recovery of the city of Jerusalem. Poetically, the theme of hope is articulated, which is in contrast to the, to the theme of judgment, um, which was centered in the first part of the book. And here, we're going to hear the language that is very similar to the book of Lamentations, which is also grieving the destruction of the temple. And we're going to encounter honesty and about the struggles uh, that were faced in restoring the city in ways that were faithful after returning from exile. The people were not exactly faithful. And so a part of that is acknowledgement of sin, which we're going to hear in this text. Acknowledgement of sin, which I like to just define by where we miss the mark of what God intends for us. Okay. This reminds me a little bit of um, the sermon that Brittany preached a few weeks ago that invited us to pay attention to any gaps in our relationship with God, to, as I like to remember it, mind the gap in our attunement with what the Spirit is up to. So to the prophet, the people have become really a laughing stock, if you will, among their adversaries rather than a witness. And so the prophet pleads that God would break into the situation. And so it's not really hard to see why this is a lectionary read, reading during Advent, right? We might say that this poetic, prophetic word here in the book of Isaiah, that all of these words are a bit frank, if you will, and hence the title of the sermon series. 
frankly, adds in. Um, frankly, we're here already, and it's quite frank. Uh, all the things. We like to get snarky with our titles sometimes. So as we journey through Advent, uh, we are going to consider how the prophet's words might expand our prayer life uh, or how we might communicate with God in a way that invites a bit more honesty and a bit more of our whole selves while also holding out some hope. So if you haven't figured it out by now, the liturgical theme for today is that of hope. I think we all know what it's like to hold out for a bit of hope in the midst of the chaos around us when the world is not quite right. So we're going to read the text today, Isaiah chapter 64, and I'm going to do something a little bit differently, um, which may or may not surprise you. Uh, I'm going to read the text. I'm going to read it from the NRSV, and then I'm um, going to kind of sum it up, if you will, paraphrase it, and then I'm going to ask you, as you have listened, to uh, then share any words or phrases that might encourage you to be a bit more honest or frank in your own prayer life or attunement with God. Um, or if it sparks any other thoughts um, or similar, similar feelings, okay? And we're going to have a bit of a, an opportunity just to share out loud as we feel comfortable. Not actual conversation in groups, but like just a bit of reflection back, okay? So Isaiah chapter 64, only verses 1 through 9. That's what the lectionary says, and I'm going to stick with it because I like it. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood, and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name or character known to your adversaries, so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence, From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways. But you were angry and we sinned because you hid yourself, we transgressed. We have all become like one who is unclean, And all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our own iniquity. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father, the parent who brought us into existence, We are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider, we are all your people. This is the word of the Lord. So I might sum up this portion of the text in this way. God, things are really tough. The temple, or how we understood access to you, has been destroyed. Our adversaries don't see us as a witness to you. Hope seems far off. Make your presence among us be immediate, swift like fire. You've done it before when we didn't expect it. Do it again. 
We've been waiting and know that there is no other God besides you. No one has experienced a God like you. We know you hid yourself in anger at our sin. We are in the hand of our own iniquity, living individually and collectively with the consequences of our choices and forgetfulness of your character and ways. Yet we are the work of your hand, like clay to a potter. We are still formidable. Don't give up on us. We are all your people. Don't remember our iniquity or wrongdoing forever. We are moldable, changeable, always becoming. We place our hope in you. As you hear these words or the summation, if you will, the paraphrasing, are there any words or phrases that might stick out to you or anything that comes to your mind that would reflect a similar sentiment that might challenge you to be more honest or frank in your own prayer life? Any words or phrases stick out to you? Okay, that's all right. I was thinking about, um, I, th- I thought of like several conversations I've just been having lately. Um, and um, I was thinking about how hungry Jesus is. Um, and that um, the way this passage is, is read and the way that
we have folks on Zoom? Um, because you probably didn't hear all of that, I'm going to sum it up. Brittany was just sharing um, that as she sees patients throughout the week, um, there's this reminder that um, sometimes we feel shunned by God, and this passage can actually feel that way a bit, um, but that we are going to mess up, um, and, and maybe God's actions don't feel great, and yet we still want to be in relationship um, with God. Um, yeah. And that's particularly evident in parenting um, and true that we see in this passage. So yeah. I'm going to share a story here in a minute. It'll be good. <laughs> You're going to love it. Any, anyone else have anything that sticks out? Yes. Yeah, Victor's sharing the word remember or don't forget. Anything else? The two of you have hit on uh, a couple of the things. Um, as I went through and thought about how I would respond to my own question, um, I have a few phrases that came to mind. They are these. We're spent. We forget. We've messed up. We're simply human. We're the work of your hands, may it be so. And we hope. When I think of the whole, we're spent, I was thinking about that because there's this plea for God to break into the situation as we acknowledge how exhausted or worn down we might be. Right? Then we forget or we forgot, right? Verse 5 says, you meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you and your ways. We can be a forgetful people, right? Like the Israelites, it doesn't take long for us to forget the character or the ways of God as we navigate the world even today. I was thinking about it. Um, I mean, we can just look at the war that's happening right now, right? We forget the ways of God. As I was reading uh, a commentary this week, someone pointed out that it might be good for us to read this text actually from the perspective of the one who is oppressed. And so I wonder, should you read it later from the perspective of a Palestinian, of those whose homeland of Bethlehem welcomed the birth of Jesus himself? We forget We've messed up. Now, let me just say, uh, reading first six is really terrible, right? Um, it reminds me of a couple of things. First of all, Brittany and I had this habit a couple of years ago that we started up where we would send confessional texts to each other. It's really great. We just needed each other to hear some things, right? Our iniquities, uh, like the wind, can take us away. And this is why, too, when we gather together every Sunday, we have an opportunity to join together in confession, right? That we might be recentered to God's self. The whole we've messed up part as you were talking. So uh, this is a really terrible picture, I feel like, because, it, it, and it can make us kind of shudder 
especially as we read various versions, because the language that's used when it's speaking of uncleanliness is actually in comparison to filthy rags, which is often associated with women and menstrual cycles, which I don't find very helpful. Um, but this week, I was gifted. Here, Israel, here's your quotes. Gifted with a more helpful image that makes a little bit more sense of this text this week. Imagine with me, imagine. We come to God like a dog who has rolled around and poop might approach its owner. With remorse, knowing that we are living in the hand, or in this case, excrement, of our own iniquities and in need of some help in becoming clean. Of course God is angry and of course hid, or at least allowed us to be put in another room, separated, where no more damage could be done until things were figured out. And after a long, long bath, and within hours, that dog's owner is kissing its face again. Yep, it's a true story for my week. Uh, <laughs> yep. Thank you very much, puppy. Helps with this picture. So. The other thought, we're simply human, right? I love the word yet in verse 8. It's like regaining a bit of your breath, right? Yet God brought us into existence, and we are all in process, a work of clay in the potter's hand. This is the good news. We are the work of your hand, so may it be so. There's this willingness or a submission to what God desires for us. The waiting on the Lord is not passive, but active. In the words of Miriam Kaba, we might say that hope, then, is a discipline. And so, in the midst of the Advent waiting, anticipating the birth of Jesus, celebrating the incarnation where God breaks into the world and into our situation in honesty and in bringing our whole selves to God. May we have hope. Amen. Will you pray with me?